Hi, my name is Kelly Winkler, and welcome to Spotlighting the Indie Author, where we shine the light on the indie author with book reviews and interviews with a dash of writing wisdom tossed in. The background music used in today's podcast, Never Stop Dreaming by Crescent Music, courtesy of Shutterstock Incorporated. Today's show, Episode 8, is a book review of The Boy Who Saw in Colors, written by Lauren Robinson. When searching for The Boy Who Saw in Colors on the web, please note that colors is spelled C-O-L-O-U-R-S. This is Lauren's debut novel. Did she make the common mistakes a new author makes? The Boy Who Saw in Colors is historical fiction and is a tale like no other about the life in Germany during World War II. I'm curious to hear what Joseph, who understands the importance of history, but is not a real fan of it, and Nina, who is a history buff, have to say about the book. How many stars will they award, the boy who saw in colors? Will they agree on the stars? Will the boy who saw in colors earn enough stars to get a round of applause? Or will it wind up in the dumpster below? Kick back and get ready for those questions to be answered as Joseph Clay and Nina Turnipseed are coming up in 10 seconds. Thank you, Kelly. And you're right. History wasn't my friend in high school. Neither was English. Hi, everyone. My name is Joseph Clay, co-host of Spotlighting the Indie Author. Hi, listeners. My name is Nina Turnipseed. Glad to be back behind the mic. I can't say I'm really too glad about having the cans back over my ears, though. Nice to have you back, Nina. You'll get comfortable with the cans again. How are you feeling? Great. And I really appreciate Christy and Kelly for their prayers and kind words. I really enjoy working with those two ladies. We all enjoy working with you also, Nina. And I'm glad to hear you're doing okay. Since you're the history buff, what year did WW2 begin? Okay, hang on, JoJo. Before we get knee-deep in history, I want to tell the listeners something about The Boy Who Saw in Colors. As Kelly mentioned, The Boy Who Saw in Colors is historical fiction, but it's not only for history fans. This book deals with the struggles of a family trying to stay intact during turmoil and the secret they are hiding. Oh, I agree with you, Nina. The Boy Who Saw in Colors has universal appeal to all who appreciates a heart-filled story. I enjoyed the chemistry between the protagonist, Joseph, and his brother, Thomas. Their shenanigans and relationship reminded me of me and my little brother. Well, I'm an only child, so I'll take your word for that. I can tell you that throughout the story, friendships are made, some last and others are doomed from the beginning. This author did a great job with the interactions between the characters during this friendship building process. So listeners remember, yes, The Boy Who Saw in Colors is a raw novel set amid the Nazi uprising. However, the war is only a part of the tale, but not the story. The story is about the life of Yosef, a 12-year-old boy who dared to dream. Now that's out of the way, I'll answer your question, Jojo. World War II started on September 1st, 1939, and it ended on September 2nd, 1945. Now I have a question for you. What was taking place in December of 1939? Ooh, I know this. 
In November and December of 1939, the Soviet Union invaded Finland and Nazi Germany accelerated its persecution of the Jews. That did happen, but no cardboard cookie for you, Jojo. According to the blurb of The Boy Who Saw in Colors, Yosef's story started the day the world ended, December 1939. That is right. Speaking of the book blurb, I have a surprise. As already mentioned, Yosef, the protagonist of The Boy Who Saw in Colors, is only 12 years old. I thought it would be fitting to have a youngster read the book blurb. Without further ado, may I introduce to you Caleb Winkler, reciting the book blurb of The Boy Who Saw in Colors. Before judgment, think of me first as a human. Before the labels, before the questions, think of me as your friend. Or as yourself, if you have to. See me first. How many good deeds does one have to do before one is considered a saint? How many bad acts deem one irredeemable? Humans are more complicated than that. We complicate equations. I think of the world differently than most. I see in colors. I see people in colors. I see memories in colors. I see you as a color too. My name is Yosef. I am 12 years old and I'm an artist. I was stolen from my parents to attend one of the Fira's elite schools. This is my story and the stories of everyone else I have ever met. About two brothers, a doomed friendship, and quite a lot of swearing. I learn about the colors, that the strong do not survive, and your best chance of survival may be in a concentration camp. What was it like to hear colors, see scents, and taste sounds? Come with me. I'll show you, if you feel like it. It all started the day the world ended, December 1939. Thank you, Caleb. Job well done. Nina, could you give us some information on the author of The Boy Who Saw in Colors, Lauren Robinson? Well, for starters, Lauren Robinson is from the small town of Derry in picturesque Northern Ireland. She is currently studying journalism. When Lauren's head is not buried in a book, she can be found at a local gym or creating art. Kelly mentioned this was Lauren's first novel. She didn't mention that Lauren has five years of research and writing invested in The Boy Who Saw in Colors. Lauren went as far as learning German to help in the research. And that research shows in her writing. I found the scenes and events to be accurate for the time period that the story took place in. I like the way this author dropped short phrases in the German language. The one-liners are not placed at random, but added at the right times, fitting the conversation. I agree the research paid dividends in the writing. According to a post on Lauren's Facebook page, The Boy Who Saw in Colors is number one in historical fiction on Book Depository and Amazon. The book also has been nominated for two awards. And I can believe that. The Boy Who Saw in Colors is a well-written book with an excellent plot and subplots. The story is written in the first-person narrative, Yosef is both the narrator and protagonist. And I know I've read a book before that was written in the first person and was told through the eyes of a child, but I can't remember the name the of that book. To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. Harper Lee is one of Lauren's favorite authors. Yes, To Kill a Mockingbird. 
The two novels are totally different in location and subject matter, but the protagonist in both kids. Yosef is 12 when The Boy Who Saw in Color starts, and Scout and To Kill a Mockingbird was only six years old when that novel began. I don't normally like books written in the first person. However, in the case of To Kill a Mockingbird and The Boy Who Saw in Colors, the first person narrative gave the readers an unusual perspective of the story from a child's view. Another reason the first person narrative works so well in The Boy Who Saw in Colors is due to the phenomenon that protagonist Joseph suffers. The story told from another perspective would have turned boring and made the reader feel they were in medical school, as synesthesia was explained. But writing the book from the first person narrative, Joseph and the other characters explain it. When it comes to a narrative, it really doesn't matter to me if it's first, second, or third. What really does matter to me, though, is did it work? I mean, would the book have been better from a different narrative? Like you, I believe the first person narrative was ideal for this book. Jojo, before we read the book, had you ever heard of synesthesia? Can't say that I had. And I have done intensive research on mental disorders for my characters. However, I will add that this author wrote a blog explaining it. We'll furnish a link to the blog in the show notes. I like the way the author included synesthesia to a majority of the chapters. The colors, some with normal names and some with off-the-wall names, are listed as subheadings. These colors are from Joseph's color thesaurus that he started. I thought this was a nice touch. Back to history. What about these elite schools that Joseph and others were sent to? Did you know they existed during WW2? I had heard mention of them, but I really didn't know that much about them. What I do know, Hitler was only interested in the purest of the pure, uh, like light skinned, blonde hair, blue eyes, who were intelligent, skilled, with the mustache man. Being Sorry for the interruption, Nina, but hold up a second. The mustache man. This is a great example of the story being told through the eyes of a 12-year-old child. That's how Hitler is referred to in the story on occasions. I found this adjective clever. Please continue with your train of thought, Nina. As I was say saying, since Hitler was a huge art fan, Yosef was a perfect candidate for the elite schools. Or was he? This brings up another subplot, shall we say. Yosef's genetic makeup. We don't do spoilers, so that's all I can say about that. But Jojo, you said sent to the elite schools. That's a mild way of putting it. In some cases, it was like these schools and concentration camps offered the best chance for survival. That's true. Some of these children were literally kidnapped, ripped from their parents' arms. As far as survival, this is one instance where it didn't matter how strong you were, as the strongest didn't always survive. Speaking of the schools, I love the way this author captured the setting of them. I guess the best way to put it, Lauren Robinson allowed the boys to be boys. We get to see their mischief side, the cruelty that boys and young men are capable of, along with their fear and anger they felt at night when they were all alone with their thoughts. That is so true. My, in my opinion, the author depicted what a school full of young boys, some becoming young men, would be like rambunctious, chaotic, and at times rebellious. Very well put, Nina. When I was reading the book, I would find myself stopping and putting it down. Not because it was hard to read, but to think about what I had just read. I would try and put myself in Yosef's shoes. 
It was hard to fathom a 12-year-old me walking out of my home and seeing people hanging from the neck. I don't know how I would have acted as I stood there watching other kids tossing rocks into the open mouths of the dead. There were several instances throughout The Boy Who Saw in Colors that I did this. The book does an excellent job depicting the devastation of war and how it can change a happy, productive life to a living hell full of suffering. Exactly. The adults start the wars. Sure, adults die in war. But what people often forget is, so do the children. To me, that is what is so sad and devastating about war. When the children die, so does the future leadership of the world. Yep, we all know that our future is with the children of today. Let me ask you a question. You mentioned earlier that the war was part of the tale, but not the story. Does this mean you consider the war to be a backdrop in The Boy Who Saw in Colors and not the antagonist? Correct. The Boy Who Saw in Colors is a complex novel, but yet easy to follow and read. The anticipation of war along with the war is the linchpin that brought about the antagonist. That antagonist, man versus setting and man versus society. Yosef himself has internal struggles bringing in the man versus self-conflict. I can follow that train of thought. Before we get to the basics, book cover and blurb, along with plot and character development, and then awarding stars, here's Kelly to give us the 411 on the book, formats, and where it can be purchased. The Boy Who Saw in Colors Author Lauren Robinson Genre Historical Fiction Release date June 6, 2020 Word count 90,000 plus the Boy Who Saw in Colors is available in the following formats ebook for $2.99 on Amazon, paperback for $12.31, book depository, hardback, $25.09, book depository, and audiobook format coming in mid August. The Boy Who Saw in Colors is available for purchase from most outlets where books are sold. Spotlighting the indie author purchased the hardback and paperback from Book Depository for review and to support the author. To learn more about Lauren Robinson and The Boy Who Saw in Colors, the links to the following will be in the show notes. Lauren Robinson's website and Facebook page. Episode 6 Special Guest Author, Lauren Robinson, The Boy Who Saw in Colors. Blog on Synesthesia, written by today's author. The Boy Who Saw in Colors, audio excerpt, video trailer, and the major outlets the book can be purchased from. Now back to the Spotlighting the Indie Author crew. I do recommend that after this episode, everyone listen to episode six. During my conversation with Lauren, she explains the research that went into The Boy Who Saw in Colors, the book cover, along with the characters and more. Nina, time to cover the basics. What did you think of the book cover? It could have been better. The cover does depict a boy who appears to be frightened, and that does fit the book. Uh, He's wearing orange clothes, and that reminded me of a prison inmate, which again, fits the book. However, after a closer look, I noticed it was a sweater over a shirt. The cover is also blurry, and I like a, a crisp, clear book cover. The story has depth, but the cover that it represents does not. I'll admit, the cover impressed me more on the internet than in person. Once we received the books, I too noticed the cover was blurry. Since you and I both have worked in the state prison system, I also thought 
the orange clothes represented an elite school or concentration camp uniform. Although the cover could be better, I understand why it was used. I give this author a lot of credit for using the cover she did as the photo used resonated with her. After all, when it's all said and done, the author has to be happy with the cover. Once again, I suggest listening to episode 6 as Lauren explains why this cover was used. I have seen the original black and white photo. I'm guessing that some of the clarity got lost in the colorization. Oh, okay. Well, I understand that now. This was an actual photo she used as a focal point for the story. And that is so cool. It reminds me of the book, Woman with a Gun. The protagonist uses a picture from a museum as a focal point. Hey, great comparison. And I had forgot about that. We'll link to that review in the show notes. What did you think about the book blurb of The Boy Who Saw in Colors? The blurb was excellent and set up the story perfectly. The word count of the blurb came in at 203 words, and that really is only 53 words over the ideal word count of 150 words. Yep, the length is acceptable. However, I'm seeing a trend with new authors. The book that was reviewed last week, We're All Liars, had a blurb that was part of the preface. The blurb for The Boy Who Saw in Colors is part of the prologue. I particularly don't like a blurb that is repeated in the book, whether it's in the preface or prologue. My opinion, if an author is going to take the time to write a book, take the time to write a blurb that is unique to that book and one that is not repeated in the book. I had a feeling you were going to go down that path. I have a similar view of the prologue of The Boy Who Saw in Colors. To be honest, the books I read that we are not reviewing here on the show, I skip the prologue altogether. Most of the time, they are full of backstory. That backstory could be dropped in anywhere during the tale or left out altogether. The Boy Who Saw in Colors does fit that bill. Although it was interesting, it could have been added in pieces in the chapters. Hey, you sound like Elmore Leonard in his book. Elmore Leonard's 10 Rules of Writing. Rule number two, avoid prologues. I found the prologue of The Boy Who Saw in Colors confusing. Within the first 10 to 12 pages of the prologue, a death occurs. At the end of the prologue, Joseph mentions that everything needs a starting point. He refers back to the death that happened earlier as his starting point. Chapter 1 covers the death that was mentioned twice in the prologue. It appears the death takes place on a boat, but then the body is transported to burial via train. However, this is not made clear in the prologue or chapter one. This is starting to get spooky. We seem to be agreeing for the most part. What did you think about character development? The character development was excellent. The author did a great job balancing the protagonist Yosa's faults as well as his saving graces. He is rebellious, along with being stubborn, but caring and loving. The supporting cast in the book are all great and have unique personalities. The way they interact with one another is another reason this is a masterfully told story. See, we once again agree. The character development was outstanding. The last thing to cover before we award the stars is the plot. I found it strong and riveting with no major issues. Yep, it was. And you are correct. All this agreeing is strange. Glad to see you have come around to my way of thinking. Hold on, Jojo. Whoa, hold up. 
I haven't come around to think like you do. We both agree because Lauren Robinson did an excellent job writing this book. I see your point, and that does make sense. Lauren has written a wonderful book. Time to calculate the stars. While Nina and I do that, here's Kelly with some breaking news. We'll be back with the awarding of the stars after a short but important message. Welcome to the josephyclay.com's book and company news in a flash with Kelly Winkler. We start today's show off with some breaking news. The Boy Who Saw in Colors, written by Lauren Robinson, has received the Literary Titan Book Award. All of us at Spotlighting the Indie Author congratulate Lauren on this amazing achievement. We are sure there are more awards in her future. In other news, the Corral Online Magazine will not be publishing the summer edition, scheduled for the month of July. This setback is due to the pandemic caused by the COVID-19 crisis. The Corral, who relies on third parties for its design and layout, along with publishing, were affected by the virus. The good news is the fall edition scheduled for release in early October will be a double edition. Follow The Corral on their social media accounts for more information and updates. Those links will be in the show notes. This last bit of news is directed by those who share the passion of helping the indie community. You, the listener, can help josephyclay.com parent company of Spotlighting the Indie Author, The Corral, and Thunder Horse Publishing support the indie author and community by partnering with us. Your donations will help offset some of the cost of the podcast and magazine. The link to our patron page and our PayPal donation link can be found in the show notes. Now back to the Spotlighting the Indie Author crew and the review of the award-winning book, The Boy Who Saw in Colors. Thank you, Kelly. And I hate to hear that. Kay had put together a great summer edition. I'm glad that the Corral is going to include everyone in a double edition in the fall. Now it's time to award the boy who saw in colors some stars. Would you like to start, Jojo? No, no. You go ahead. I'm still pondering. Okay, don't get a headache racking your brain. I couldn't find any mistakes in the boy who saw in colors that new authors normally make. The book was edited. There was no formatting issues. In reality, there's no way all the adjectives, mainly the colors Joseph sees, and from his color thesaurus, should have worked. The author made these adjectives part of the story, and they blended in. I don't take off the points, for my opinion, and using a prologue is up to the author. Even though I don't like them, this one was written well and used properly. The story was well written also, and easy to read, and moved at a steady pace. For me, the book cover was the weak link. I give The Boy Who Saw in Colors 4.75 stars. It is literally the best book I've read this year. I believe every history book should have this book on their shelf. If you don't like history, don't let that stop you from purchasing The Boy Who Saw in Colors. The book is written for all audiences. The story surrounds Joseph, a 12-year-old boy who dared to dream. Jojo, your turn. Jojo, wake up. Calm down, Nina. I wasn't asleep. I was thinking. I agree for the most part with your assessment. I did run across one mistake in editing, but it didn't hurt the story. Joseph's mother was talking to him and Thomas, his little brother, upstairs. 
She was wearing a blue cotton gown. The conversation moved downstairs and her clothes were mentioned again. The gown was now a dress. Same color, same material. Not a big deal, and the gown they were referring to at first could have been an evening gown, but it was in the morning time. Since I understand why the cover is the way it is, I'm not going to deduct any points for it. For what it is worth, I wish the original black and white picture had been used. And each letter of the title were in different colors to represent Joseph dealing with Synesthesia. My drawback is with the confusing prologue and how some of it could have been used in the first chapter to bring more drama to the death and cleared up some of the confusion. The author could have used a scene break for a lapse in time. Overall, The Boy Who Saw in Colors is a masterful work of literature. As a member of the independent author community, I'm proud that Lauren Robinson has joined us. She is dedicated to her craft, puts in the research needed, and an outstanding writer. I give The Boy Who Saw in Colors four and a quarter stars. I recommend this book to all who loves a heart-filled story. My wish is that they could write school history books like Lauren wrote The Boy Who Saw in Colors. It would make the class a whole lot more interesting. Drum roll, please. Spotlighting the Indie Author Awards, The Boy Who Saw in Colors by Lauren Robinson, 4.5 stars out of five. Fantastic. Four and one half stars earns the boy who saw in colors a round of applause. That will do for the review of the boy who saw in colors written by Lauren Robinson. It was great to be back. All of us at Spotlighting the Indie Author would like to thank everyone for listening to today's episode. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. Till we meet again, hugs, uh-uh-uh-uh-uh, and kisses from Nina. It was great to have you back, Nina. Kelly, what we got coming up next? Please join us for our next podcast on August 1st. Episode 9 of Spotlighting the Indie Author will be another doubleheader show. We will be reviewing Mirate, Death is What I Do, by John W. Wood. John will also be a guest on the show talking about the book and others he has written. Oh yeah, another doubleheader. I'm looking forward to this show and talking to John. Did you know that Mirate, Death is What I Do, features a skull on the cover? Heck, any book with a skull on the cover is worth reading. That will do it for this show. Till next time, be kind to your fellow human beings. Kelly, sign us off, please. I'm out of here. The show notes contain the following. Links to guest or author's webpage and or social media page, blogs, and books mentioned in today's podcast. Links to websites not affiliated with guest or author mentioned in today's show. The link to Spotlighting the Indie Authors podcast webpage. Links to the hosts of today's show along with the guest. Links to Spotlighting the Indie Author's blog. The blog will include any information obtained about the guest or books after the podcast aired. The podcast notes will also have the technical data on the recording of today's show. Music and sound effect credits. Till then, this is Kelly and the crew of Spotlighting the Indie Author bidding you farewell. This was episode number eight a 2020 production of Spotlighting the Indie Author. 
a Joseph E. Clay podcast.